everybody. Welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light. I'm Jackson. I'm Lauren. And we are here on our on now back to our normal format. I guess we can yeah, say. Yeah, back to our regular scheduled programming. Back to our roots, Lauren. That's true. I feel like I say that every single episode we have. <laughs> one of these. But well, you know, this this feels like our the, the heart of this show. It is the heart of this show, and that is why, uh, just as a reminder, you will not have a show from us next week. You will not have a show from us the week after that. You will also not have a show from us the week after that. However, the week after that, oh boy. <laughs> Hoo we're boy. Back. Yeah, so just a reminder, uh, we're sticking to this format, our original format, where we do a quick detour segment, then we read a script, an original uh, screenplay or play, and then we interview the writer That's of right. said original screenplay or play. Uh, we're going to be doing that once a month now, so you won't be hearing from us quite as often. However, you will still be hearing from us on a regular basis. But if you miss the sound of our voices in the meantime, what you can do is check out our other show, Who yep. Is That The Mass Singer Podcast. Yep, she's on Coming it, back, we actually just posted a new episode and we will Today. be kicking off this season next week yes we will um you can also check out our patreon you can check out our patreon our patreon we do some club. more content related to this too yes that is correct what is our most recent thing on there is that our green lit of the blues brothers that i'm Actually, sure we've talked about multiple times our most recent thing is the mass singer uk season oh, one true true uh, episode but, but but you get content for both shows show. on there so yeah our most recent for this one is our august green lit episode yep where every month we uh watch a movie that we love that has some nostalgia we hadn't actually seen this one but it was a request from jackson's father and it was great correct and we pair it with a beverage yes we do a fun little beverage and we do that every month, and so you'll get that once a month. You'll get our episode once a month. Maybe we'll try to space those out a bit so that we, you you have you have some some content something in, in the between. Interim. Yeah, and we're also probably gonna do a, a few detours that we're gonna put on. Well, the not, one dollar level is ramble episodes. Yeah, ramble episodes. That's what I meant to call them. Uh, other things that you can do to get more content from us: follow us on social media at tgl underscore pod. On Instagram and Twitter, at GreenLightPod on Facebook. You did good, Jackson. I did good. All right, that's the show, everybody. See you <laughs> later. No, I'm kidding. And Lauren, tell everybody the bulk of the show. What What are we reading? Who are we going to be talking to? All right, we are reading Scout, Veteran of the Psychic War by Andre Kokoljak. And it's amazing. It is about a ruthless duck. A ruthless psychic duck that destroys all of humanity. Spoilers, but yes. Most of humanity. Lord Fauntleroy, you'll get to know him intimately over the next hour or so. Are we ready? To... I think let's get into our detours. Also, if you let's haven't already, please leave segment. us an Apple Podcast review. Pretty Even please. if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Pretty, pretty, please. Just just do it. Yeah. Or, just, if, just you know, it. anywhere. Just if you listen on anywhere, we're to let you leave reviews. Yes. Just do it. Exactly. Five stars, though. If you don't want to leave us five stars, never mind. Yes. <laughs> so, Lauren and I both have a detour this week. This is our segment where we talk about something we've consumed in the past week, whether that be a movie, TV show, book, play, 10-year-old video game. That's a joke that we haven't used in a while. Wow, yeah. And bringing it back <laughs> to our roots, like we said. Lauren, would you like to go first, or would you like me to take the reins and ride this donkey into the sunset? Well, I will ride this bojack horseman into the sunset first <laughs> nice Good i won't call. do that that's gross yes um he well, is uh anthropomorphic so <sighs> yeah it still seems weird though i still don't like it no it, that's what i'm saying it is weird yeah because of that yeah well anyway so you go ahead then <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I'm talking about BoJack Horseman. Um, I'm not all the way through it, so no spoilers, please. But um, I am in season four, so I think I'm enough of the way through that I can talk about it since... How many seasons are there? Like six? Six or seven. Okay. Something like that. Either anyway, way, you're I'm over in season halfway four, through. Over halfway. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying the show so far. I actually, as a whole, just don't enjoy, like, cartoons that are, like, marketed towards adults. Adults. As a whole. Animation. Like, I don't sure. know. I've never really enjoyed, like... The Simpsons or Family Guy or I it don't is know. six seasons, so you are six seasons. Okay, much well over halfway. halfway yeah. yeah, but you know, I I don't know, or even like um, I don't. Granted, I haven't seen a ton of them, but I've just never really like enjoyed what I've seen of like even like a Bob's Burgers or anything like that, really. So this is a show that I have heard so much about from Jackson and many other people, and I decided to finally give it a try, um, and I have really enjoyed it so far. So it stars Will Arnett. It is on Netflix. Um, Alison Brie is also a big star in it. Um, lots of tons and tons and tons of celebrity cameos yeah. in this or or guest stars, stuff like that. Also, Amy Sedaris is Princess Carolyn. True. Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad and Paul F. Tompkins. Those are the five characters who you see the most of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically the show is about... Um, an actor, Bojack Horseman, who was on a well-known, uh, lovable, 90s, but maybe not so good, 90s sitcom TV called Horsin' Around about a horse who adopts three children and raises them. And it's funny. It's very Leave it to Beavery. Yep. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, he is like just kind of washed up. He's trying to like find happiness and purpose and a resurgence. He's... Like, ultimately, the show is about him just trying to find something to fill the void. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, and, and sometimes he tries to sort of remedy that with alcohol. And sometimes he tries to remedy that by trying to find love. And, you know, sometimes he tries to find that by um, trying to revitalize his career. And it just, like, thing after thing after thing just never seems to work for him. So it's definitely a, a heartbreaking show. Um, it definitely is in many ways like a critique on the entertainment industry or, uh, like it satirizes the entertainment industry in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's really well done at times. It's very funny at times. It is. Yeah. Like I said, heartbreaking, um, feels very real. And I, I, I think it is much darker than just a lot of other, you know, again, like adult oriented cartoons. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you yeah, mind if I share good. a fun fact piggybacking off of that? I'm looking at some of the trivia on sure. IMDb about it right now. Uh, so the first season of this show received mostly mixed reviews from critics. Hmm. Uh, this may have been due to most outlets only reviewing the first few episodes of the season, unaware that the show developed a darker and deeper tone like Lauren was talking about about midway through the first season. The improvement was so significant that it forced IndieWire to change its grading policy to watch a show's entire season upon availability instead of just the first dozen or so episodes, first half dozen or so episodes, which would have boosted their original rating of BoJack's first season. Huh. Kind of a game changer, BoJack Horseman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you do definitely have to watch the whole season. And I think, like, the first episode or so, I was, like, not really hooked. I don't think I got hooked until probably, yeah, that big... uh mid-season shift that first season you know but it was yeah. like once i got past that point i was like whoo okay <laughs> yeah there are many moments watching the show where i'm like is will arnett okay 
<laughs> Correct. And actually, the first trivia, I don't want to keep hijacking your uh, talking with no, trivia. No, that's okay. But it said, Will Arnett named Bojack as the hardest role of his career to get inside, admitting that he sometimes took the darkness of the character home with him. So. Yeah. To answer your question, not always was Will Arnett okay. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't know how you could be. And, you know, it's like, I don't think this show shies away, I think, from the dark sides of this character in the sense that he does some kind of crappy things sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, he is very much your protagonist, but like, he's not always likable. And that's something oh, yeah. I definitely think is really interesting in a protagonist. For sure. So, he's, he is yeah. a very complex character. Yes. Very complex. Yes. Uh, sometimes to a fault to himself. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of my, uh, you know, as far as animation goes, uh, as far as adult animation goes, for sure, it's near the top of what you're going to watch, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like um, I recently finished watching Rick and Morty, and uh, I really enjoyed Rick and Morty, and I think there's a lot of great things about Rick and Morty, but it's it's a different show from BoJack. I think BoJack is one of the more serious, like, dealing with real issues. Not that Rick and Morty doesn't, but uh, it, it's really interesting to see, like, the evolution of BoJack, Definitely. I think, throughout yeah. it. And, and just the more you get of his history and things like that. Uh, there is an episode of BoJack Horseman that I, you have not gotten to yet, because it's either in the last season or second to last season. Mm. But it is the uh, it's the funeral episode. And uh, it's where Bojack gives a eulogy for the entire episode. It's 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 oh, like wow. a it's like a bottle episode of Bojack Horseman giving it's a eulogy. It's literally just a monologue. Yep. And it's one of it's it's probably one of the episodes of TV that has stuck with me the most. Just mm. what they were able to pull off and how effectively they were able to do that wow. in an animated show with just like a single monologue. I think there's like a, a minute or so cold open that isn't that, but everything else is that. And it's I, I just found wow. it so fascinating and yeah. really, really good. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, what yeah. else do you? Any, there was else like about Bojack? there was just a pretty big death in the show where I was, so I'm so I'm kind of surprised that I guess there's another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So okay, <laughs> yeah, show doesn't shy away from death for sure. No, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that's about all I have with Bojack. So again, it's on Netflix. Um, definitely check it out. Yep. Um, yeah, not a funny animated show, but um, well, it's it, a very good one. It is. Well, it it is, it is funny. It has funny moments, but yeah. I would. It is not at its heart a comedy. Really? You'd think so? I don't think so. I, I think it, again, it is funny. There are definitely very funny moments every episode, but I think at its core, it is a drama. I, 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 I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I, I still think, like... I mean, I just don't know how you can have some of the stuff that's in this show and say it's a comedy, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, for sure. But like, I think... I would, like, I, I go as far as to say it's dramedy. Yeah. For I, sure. I think it's in the way it handles drama is very much in a comedic way. Sure. I, I definitely say it's like a satirical drama. Yeah. But I don't know. I do think if I if I could only call it one thing, I'd say it's dramatic. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yes, anyway. Bojack Horseman uh, on Netflix. Go watch it if you haven't. Uh, even if you don't like adult animation, like Lauren said, I think this one might change your mind. Well, not that it's changed my <laughs> mind for all adult animation, but this change one your mind is an about exception. It. Yes. I will say. Uh, so, shall we talk about something even darker than BoJack Horseman? Whoa. Not just in a tone or mood sense, but in a uh, 
actual physical darkness. <laughs> uh, so I am going to be talking about the 2014 horror film As Above, So Below. This is R-rated, as I guess BoJack is probably TVMA. But uh, if you don't know what As Above, So Below is about, here's a quick little synopsis. When a team of explorers ventures into the catacombs that lie beneath the streets of Paris, they uncover the dark secret that lies within this city of the dead. So that's a okay synopsis. However, it doesn't really tell you why these people are going into the catacombs. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, so this movie stars Perdita Weeks, Ben Feldman, Edwin Hodge, Francois Civil as Papillon, Ooh. and Butterfly. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, and th- that's the main cast. This movie is written and directed by uh, John Eric Dowdle. And also written by Drew Dowdle, so probably brothers, I would be guessing. Or father-son. That would be kind of fun. So, uh, let's see. Or they're married and one of them changed their names. Yes. Uh, also also possible. Very true. I'm trying to find a better uh, synopsis of this. Um, Sometimes if you click on the plot summary at the top, it gives you more summary options. That is true. But now it's not letting me do that. Anyways, uh, essentially, they're uh, uh, trying to find the Philosopher's Stone that is that is hidden within uh, that what what they think might be hidden in these catacombs. Yeah, uh, it's, the main woman is trying to continue her father's work. I yes, believe. Yes. Oh, that's right. You saw the last. Yeah, I saw minutes. the last like twenty minutes, and then I was like, "Okay, brief me." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that—that's pretty much what you need to know. That's their goal in going down here. She is ruthless, and she is uh, uh, not going to stop in finding this philosopher's stone, no Even matter when people die. <laughs> yeah, no matter how many bad omens she receives. So this movie is essentially—it's uh, a horror movie. It's a thriller. Uh, it's a bit of a mystery in a way because you're like, what what's happening? What's going on? What are what are they gonna find down here? So yeah, uh, Perdita Weeks and uh, Edwin Hodge. Edwin Hodge is her. Uh, so Scarlett and Benji. Uh, Benji is Scarlett's videographer. So mm. he's he's helping her document this whole thing. So that's sort of a it's a found footage film, by the way. I guess I didn't yeah. mention that, and that's very important. So you get footage from Benji. You also get footage. Everyone is wearing a camera on their body who goes down into the catacombs. So you get that sort of very claustrophobic vibe, not just from the the setting that they're in but also sort of from this found footage type thing the the way they use it i think is interesting and i think found footage is definitely hit or miss but i think for this movie it works pretty well and i think yeah you know i i i would be willing to wager they probably don't have a big budget for this one yeah and well, i also think too if you're in those tight spaces i think it's actually like not just stylistically a good choice, but also practically a good choice because it's yeah. way easier to just have the people wearing the cameras exactly. than try to like set up shop in a tiny space like that. A hundred percent, yeah. And so this movie had a budget of five million dollars, which for a, a, a yeah, big wow. budget is, or for a uh, widely released movie, is not that big of a budget. Made forty-one million dollars, so it Pretty definitely good. made its money back. And yeah, I'd say this is a this is a good horror movie. I'm a person who. I guess I've watched more horror movies recently because our housemate Will likes horror movies. Yeah. But I'm definitely more of like a slasher kind of guy, definitely more of a bit of a cheesy like 80s movie horror guy. But this one is still good as a more contemporary horror movie. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like 
knock your socks off scary, but there are some scary moments. Like, like you'll be shaking in your boots a little bit, maybe. I, I definitely made sure to turn all the lights on as I was walking up the stairs. Uh-huh. So it's, uh, it, it's definitely one that will, uh, that, that you'll enjoy. I think, especially if you're a fan of horror movies. Uh, I think overall the performances are good. Uh, I think you don't necessarily like the character of Scarlet, not because of the actor, but just because of the character, who she is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> doesn't really care about human life as opposed to finding the Philosopher's Stone, which, uh, granted, could could certainly... It is certainly, the Philosopher's Stone. It is the Philosopher's Stone. And I did, I gotta be honest, hand up, I did not know that the Philosopher's Stone existed outside the Harry Potter because oh. I was like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is technically what it was called in original. Well, yeah, it is kind of London. interesting, right? Because like, you know, obviously that was the first book and that's really like the only major magical, like I guess there are other like monsters in the Harry Potter universe that are kind of like based on folklore and like legendary things. I mean, like there are werewolves. dragons, you know, where Dragons, witches and wizards. Vampires even. Like, even though they're not mentioned in the movies, there are vampires in the Harry Potter universe. There you go. But, like... Some sea creatures, too. There you go. I guess there are a lot of... You know, there are a lot. But, like, okay, but, like, for example, right, the second book revolves around the Chamber of Secrets. Like, that is not really something that exists outside of that. You know, or there's, like... There's the Triwizard Cup. There's, like... You know, the Department of of Mysteries, right? And the whatever, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's horcruxes, you know? And so, like, those don't necessarily exist outside of the Harry Potter universe, as far as I know. But the Philosopher's Stone slash the Sorcerer's Stone for the Americanized version is, yeah, that is very much like an alchemy, part of, like, alchemy lore. Yeah. For sure. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know if I have too much more to say about this film. Uh, This one is also... Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely check it out, especially if you're a, a horror movie fan and you haven't seen this one. I think it's definitely worth seeing. Once again, I would say overall they use the found footage well, which isn't always easy to find. So True. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, also, Ben Feldman is the guy on Superstore, in case you're wondering, because I was. I was like, I know I recognize this fella. And that's this what he's fella. from. This fella. So what do we have coming up next, Lauren? Well, like I said, we are going to read and then interview the writer uh, of Scout, veteran of the Psychic War. And then we're going to talk to the writer, Andre Koljak. Quack. Quack. Everybody, welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Oh, if you heard that soft voice over there, that's the voice of Blake Benson. You've heard it before, but it's been a while. Blake, how goes it, sir? It goes pretty well. We do still live together. (laughs) (laughs) While you all haven't seen Blake in a while, we see Blake every day. So, uh, uh, good times. Thank you for coming back. Of course. Blake. Love being here. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, you know what? Let's dive in. Shall we? Let's dive in. Uh, so, Lauren, what are we going to be uh, reading today? We are reading Scout, Veteran of the Psychic War by Andre Kokoljak. Yes. Uh, and what part will you be reading for? I will be reading for the narrator slash BMW M3, a.k.a. Maria. Yes. And Blake? I will be reading for Scout. And I will be reading Action Lines. And without further ado, let's dive. Exterior ruins, dawn. Concrete ruins, shattered windows, toppled in roofs, fire damage, 
decimation. Desolate interiors, graffiti on every wall. Nature's static ambiance pushing through them all. This world is only green and gray and utterly lifeless. A wise and humble narrator guides us through time. In 2022 AD, all the knowledge and power in the cosmos was transferred to one single solitary creature on a planet residing in the Via Lactea galaxy, whose name has long since been forgotten. Exterior playground, day. Children at play, mothers rolling strollers. The common white-feathered duck, whose would-be assailants came to curse both in life and in death. Quack. A single white duck waddles over grass. Quack. Quack. Lord Fauntleroy. Exterior Roman Colosseum, day. Bustling with people from all over the world, tourists frame photographs. Vehicles navigate the street with their horns. Legend tells us Lord Fauntleroy began his reign of terror in the small seaside city where he was born, in a pond near a Roman Colosseum. Insert ducks in a pond. Peaceful. Serene. His coy existence in that coy pond came to an end when he was suddenly and unwittingly wretched out of the proverbial swamp of modernity and from within him ignited a world-ending Nietzschean paroxysm. Insert. Modern-day footage of grim-faced world leaders. Superpowers heated and world leaders knelt before the immeasurable cruelty of the waterfowl. Insert. Archival flashes of war, death, and destruction. By the end of the decade, every modern metropolis on this nameless rock fell to us unstoppable rage. Exterior seaside city, day. Pedestrians go about their unassuming lives in the square, street, cafe, bar, and park. Charlatans, simpletons, ants, under the foothills of an elephant. Exterior forest, day. A duck waddles about. The pale mallard's malevolence sought no bounds. Its appetite for destruction was insatiable. The duck becomes agitated. A mere jerk in your direction and your head will be removed from your neck and relocated to 14th century Bikin, China. A dark-haired boy stand next to an old boat, seemingly dropped out of the sky and into the wild. A quack from his bill and, well, God help you. Tiny fingers squish a fig, oozing out juices. Interior underground ruins, day. The boy walks through the dark, filth, and decay towards a cave-in. Humanity was relegated to the underground, where it dwindled in angst century after century in subterfuge, pestilence, and deathly nothingness. A warming ray of sunshine washes over his face. Exterior courtyard with fountain, day. Our shirtless boy flails his limbs in what he believes to be karate, exclaiming ka and ra with each heartfelt strike. In spite of this world's obsessive barbarism and climactic anticipation of instinctive cataclysm, they were still not prepared. The duck's new psychopathy and megalomania knew no conceivable equal. Even the mystics and the magic men of this world's time were no match for Lord Fauntleroy's psychic mind melds. The yellow-billed tyrannic cared not for this world's morality. The boy loses his balance trying to kick the sun and falls. Exterior Psyduck Mural, Day. Graffiti of a cartoon telepathic duck. Melted candles in a makeshift shrine sit below. Depictions of their telepathic lord in cartoon form grew rampant in popularity during the last years of this world's fate. The staggering of demented wax candlesticks below, votive offerings to an ancient form of worship, lost in current practice. The boy runs past, screaming with a spear held high. Interior boat drop, day. Squatting barefoot at the water's edge in a dark container, the boy finds an old boot. Exterior horse-spider-rat mural, day. 
Before a nightmarish portrait, the boy blackens his boot by rubbing it with dark soil. The horse spider rat, just one of the unfathomable horrors the Maleficent Donatidae could conjure from the annals of his monstrously imaginative superbrain to make real. Scout sits back and fits his foot inside. It's a loose fit. Interior abandoned home, day. Standing attention, the boy, in military uniform too big for him and a colorful bandana, torn from a woman's dress. This is Scout. A ranked lapel. Second lieutenant, veteran of the psychic war. How he came to be of this rank is unknown, even to him. For he is the sole survivor of this world. A table full of tattered old magazines. Dear Lord Fauntleroy, being the benevolent dictator that he had become, took pity on the boy and granted him to live in squalor, even going so far as to give the boy the dubious moniker of Scout and the skill to interpret text. Cars, karate, women, and more women on cars. So that he could... Clean up the place. Exterior tree day. Scout hangs off a tree branch, reaching for a scrap of newsprint, far from reach, swaying in the breeze. He falls. Ah! And hits the ground with a sad thud. Exterior ruins day. Checking under his shirt, Scout's ribcage is bruised. Scout rummages through debris for buried treasure. The year is 2323, and the unbridled malevolence of the Psyduck had been distilled for some 300 years. He finds canned meat, dented and expired by centuries. Scout forces it down his jacket front, adding to the bulging supply and weighing him down greatly. He waddles off. Exterior forest, day. Scout picks wild berries from a shrub. Scout finds a second boot. Scout builds a rock wall. Scout screams obscenities at the sky. You bastard! Who made you? Interior abandoned auditorium, night. Center stage under frayed rouge curtain, Scout tends to a fire, poking it with a stick. With the fire now crackling, he lays himself down beside it, tucking his fingertips under his arms. From the far-off entrance, a petite face with long hair peeks through, watching him sleep. Exterior forest, day. Scout sharpens a spear with a rock. In the background, a bush shakes. He spins around, spear at eye level. Nothing. The forest is still. Then, another movement. Scout adjusts. Throws the spear into the bush. Ow! The boy strikes a fighting stance. Who's there? Come out or I will show you karate! After a moment, a young girl with long hair, about the same age as Scout, exits the brush in rags. Her leg is red. A small laceration. Scout relaxes ever so slightly. Who are you? The girl shrugs. Looks down at her leg. Scout lowers his fists and approaches. He bends down to inspect the protuberance. Then looks back up at her. It's okay. It just needs some dirt. He rips a fistful of soil and grass from the earth and rubs it into her wound, then stands, clapping his hands. There. I cured it. Thanks. I'm Scout. What's your name? I don't know. I never had one. Scout rubs his chin and thinks as hard as he can. Okay. Your name will be... BMW M3. BMW M3? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Well... It's not. And I'm in charge, so that's your name. You got it? Mmm... Okay. Scout walks off. BMW M3 waits for a moment, looking around, then runs after him. Interior abandoned home, day. BMW M3 sweeps and organizes garbage. Scout walks into a clean room. He looks confused. What are you doing? She smiles proudly. I cured it. He looks around with worry. Where are my papers? She points. Scout turns. The shelf, 
his magazines arranged neatly in a row. Scout is taken back. He's never thought of this. BMW M3 smiles. Scout wearily unfolds his findings on the table. Figs and berries again. Dinner will be ready in just a minute. Why don't you take out the trash and don't forget to wash your hands before supper? BMW M3 hums a sweet melody while sorting the harvest. Reluctantly agreeing, Scout drags his feet to a large boulder. Can't lift. Too heavy. So he rolls it out the door. Exterior seashore, day. Squatting down, Scout washes his hands in the water. Squaw! He looks up. Seagulls fly circles overhead. Having never seen a bird before, he is sufficed to say, very startled. Ah! The boy jumps to his feet and runs away. Exterior abandoned home, day. BMW M3, still humming her sweet melody, back to the door. Scout runs in, exasperated. There's something out there. Some thing in the sky. The girl is not impressed. Did you wash your hands? Scout catches his breath. Yes. Finishing up, she turns. Good. Then we're ready to eat. BMW M3 sets a bowl of berries and figs on the table and pulls up a makeshift chair. Scout, still filled with worry, takes a moment to join her. Now, tell me all about your day. What did you see in the sky? Something. It made a noise. Squaw! The girl frowns. Squaw? Yeah, just like that. And it waved its arms like this. Scout flaps his arms up and down like a bird. BMW M3 mimics him. Like this? Yes. They both flap their arms. Squaw! Squaw? Then stop. Scout inspects the meal before him. I've been thinking about it, and I don't want to be BMW M3 anymore. I want a new name. She already has a name in mind. Maria. I want to be Maria. That sounds much nicer, don't you think? Scout shoves the berries into his mouth, indifferent. Okay, whatever. Maria smiles with pride. She is pleased. I just knew you would love it. Exterior field, day. Heartwarming music plays. Scout and Maria pick dandelions. Scout throws a yellow one at Maria. She throws one back in return. They repeat. The air is filled with white floaties. They come together, close. Maria kisses Scout. Scout wipes his face in disgust. Yuck. Dandelions sail into the wind. Flowers sprout into bloom. Insects buzz under shady tree loom. Birds chatter in their nests with babies. The forest is alive with sounds neither has heard before. And the boy and the girl run off joyful, wild, and free. Exterior pond, day. Lord Fauntleroy floats in the water, peaceful, undisturbed. Heartwarming music swells. The duck had far forgotten his quarrel with the miscreants of this world and long since returned, through sheer force of nature, to the quaint domicile from whence he once first quacked in peace. Quack! Free to live a simple life in solitude, for in his psychic war with his greatest of foes, he too had lost his brothers and his sisters, sacrificed his kin and his spawn, for they too did not reach his high mental plane, and so fell foolishly into extinction. And the music stops. Hit in the butt with a rock, the duck quacks away in fright. Scout and Maria, now in modern-day clothing, stand at the water's edge, laughing. Scout with a crude slingshot in his hand. He drops the slingshot, and the two run off towards the trees and out of sight. Our attention is turned slowly to the slingshot on the ground as a low, unearthly rumble arises. Quack! Cut to black.
everybody, welcome back to the Green Light Podcast. Green Light. It's Jackson here. And Lauren, and, and we are here with our writer of the week it. for Scout, veteran of the Psychic War, Andre Kukolzak. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How's it going, man? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. I, I really like what you guys do. I love this Green Light Podcast thing. Oh, awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank we you so appreciate much. it. A fan on the show? Wow, we're blushing. <laughs> Lauren and I are both blushing, as Andre can see. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so, uh, first off, uh, we like to do this with all of our guests. Uh, tell us where you're calling us from. Uh, I am near Pula, Croatia, on the Mediterranean coast. That's incredible. Uh, our first person from Croatia, if I'm not mistaken, Lauren. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. Our first Another from pin Croatia. in our green light map. And what time is it there for you right now? Uh, 5.22 p.m. And it is 8.22 p.m. for us. 8 yes. a.m., not p.m., a.m. Nine hours apart. Yeah. Yeah. But brought together by Zoom and the love for good storytelling. Yay. So, you know, we're never apart in that sense. <laughs> uh, another question we love to ask everyone is, we want to know your writer origin story. How did you get started writing? Uh, oh, my God. It's long, but I'll give you the short version. Uh <laughs> I always loved movies since I was a kid. Uh, it wasn't actually until I watched Seinfeld that uh, I wanted to be a screenwriter. <laughs> I thought that show was going to go on forever and I would write on that show. But <laughs> two years after that, it got canceled. So uh, My love for movies still went on and on. And uh, I started writing in my early 20s, but it was basically like B genre movies and like derivative dialogue of Quentin Tarantino. Like I wasn't there yet. <laughs> I got all my terrible ideas out really early on in my early 20s. And I really didn't have the life experiences to, to write melodrama, dr- dramaturgy, all this stuff. So I waited a little few more years. And at 30 years old, I decided, I you know, I'm going to quit my job and go full force at this. And that's when I moved to Europe instead of Los Angeles and <laughs> started writing. That's awesome. So uh, where are you originally from? Uh, well, I was born in Belgrade, Serbia, and I left in 1991 because of the war, Balkan War, and I moved to Toronto. I lived pretty much in the city for 26 years, uh, stayed there. I got really sick of the city, and I started like really fantasizing about living in a little village, a small town. So that's what mm. I didn't want to move to like L.A. or New York or London or something. I really... I came to Croatia and it was so beautiful and it didn't have any snow. I was so sick of snow. So <laughs> I bet so. And I, I, lo- I love to be by the sea. I need to see the water close by. So I came over here. I found a little village. I live in a little village of like 2,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. I've been here two years now and they've sort of taken me in. It's been a slow uphill battle, but, <laughs> but now <laughs> I'm one of them. So, wow, yeah, that's lo- awesome. Good here. for you. Yeah, that 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 really is incredible. I feel like, you know, especially writers in like, you know, the 17th, 18th century always hear about them going to Europe to to find inspiration and so hey, our the yeah. next great writer of the 21st century going to James Europe. James Joyce came to here to Pula. He wrote a couple of his uh, works here. So he Did he really? Wow. For him. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. There was something else I was going to say, and I forgot. I guess the only thing I was going to say is that I also feel like it's, you know, even if most of the work that you would be writing would be produced in a New York or Los Angeles, I feel like it's more possible now than ever to do that fully remotely and, you know, not be based in one of those big cities if you're 
if you're yeah. a writer and can sort of remotely submit your work. Yeah, technology really has uh, helped you just work anywhere in the world. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, the, the two movies I had produced were both in the U.S., so <laughs> it wasn't a big deal that I was here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. There you go. Uh, so now uh, let's dive into some script questions, if you don't mind. Uh, we, sure. we really enjoyed this script. Uh, and this script kind of revolves around this, like, duck dictator with psychic powers, uh, a young boy uh, just trying to survive in this wasteland created by said duck. Uh, so what is your inspiration for this script <laughs> as I read it out loud to you? <laughs> well, I actually sent you in your email a couple photos. Uh, the inspiration came from some graffiti I saw on a wall uh, of an abandoned World War II base that's right on the shoreline of Pula, right on the edge of the city. And people go there for jogs and walks with their dogs now, but it used to be a military base. And mm. graffiti on every wall. And there's a, there a picture of a duck with an eyeball for a head. And I just looked at it and I went, oh, it's a psychic duck. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then sort of walking through those ruins, I love the imagery of uh, nature reclaiming uh, structures like the gray of the concrete and the trees and green pushing through. It. I think it's powerful imagery. So it was that location and that graffiti of the psychic duck that uh, spawned the whole story. Wow. I, I find that to be really cool. I feel like, you know, I, I, I haven't done a ton of writing uh, myself. However, when I feel like I have ideas, I feel like it comes off of stuff like that, like stuff that I just like see and I'm like, oh, that would be a cool idea. Let me write that down really quickly before I forget, you know, stuff like that. And I think uh, I think it's turned into something really cool here and something really unique as well that, uh, you Definitely. know, I would I would wager that there probably aren't too many stories about psychic ducks. But however, it's not exactly my genre. So uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so kind of a similar question bouncing off of that. One thing that is really engaging about the script is the seriousness of the situation and the narrator. Um, you know, the narrator's talking about this apocalyptic wasteland with grim talks of death and destruction. Um, contrasted with the ridiculousness of that exact same situation, which is an apocalyptic situation caused by a psychic duck. So just yeah. talk about this this contrast and how you sort of navigated that comedy uh well what my inspiration was for the style of the the shorts was i wes anderson and his whimsical colorful brightness and mm. something like andre tarkovsky's stalker and melding those two together that serious i see you yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. And yeah, I, I think the, it, it makes it so funny, like combining something so whimsical with something so serious. And you're like, wait, in my brain, this doesn't compute. So I'm gonna laugh, you know. <laughs> and and I, I, I think it works really well here. Just like you're reading this and you're like, wow, that's really grim. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it's a psychic duck. And yeah. it's 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 nice. I really enjoy it. Well, yeah, I, I just love the imagery of, like, you know, Lord Fauntleroy's ruthlessness tearing down the human race. And then, oh, yeah. like, you know, you see an image of a, a walking duck. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I love it. Yeah. Now, do, do you imagine Do you imagine sort of what we're imagining with this script where it's like a, like, oh, a cute little duck, like, just hanging out, but he has murderous intent? Or do you imagine this duck to sort of be, like, sort of like you said it with, with the graffiti you saw, just a duck with a big eye sort of menacing... Uh, which is sort of in your mind? Uh, no, the duck is played completely straight. 
It's just footage of a duck in a park. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, speaking of other voices throughout the script, uh, the narrator is obviously a, a huge part of this script, um, and uh, which has a very distinctive voice. Uh, so talk about your choice to include a narrator and what purpose you hope the narrator serves in this story. Uh, I, I felt this type of story deserved a narration just because it's so grand, but so minimalistic uh, in its locations and people. I needed to sort of paint the image of this universe, this world. And the only way I could do it was through the narrator's words and this, but very subtle, simple imagery. I felt that was more powerful than going way overboard with some imagery uh, everywhere. I, I really like lo-fi sci-fi. Yeah. Do, do you think the audience ever sees the narrator or is the narrator just sort of this uh, ethereal voice? No, we never see him. He's an ethereal voice. It could be a man or a woman. It could, and in my mind, I like to think it's either the little boy or the little girl when they're an old uh, mm. geriatric and they're wise. <laughs> so it, I it, the duck hasn't killed them yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just a, a wise person who knows what, who could tell this tale. But, uh, but the, the movie is also very meta. You don't even you don't know if this is all in the little boy's head, and it's like they're just playing house the whole time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the little boy and the little girl, Scout and BMW M3, later known as Maria, have an interesting relationship as the two people left on Earth, and they both happen to be kids. So talk about their relationship and what bonds them together. Is it simply the end of the world, or is it something more? Well. If you notice, I just basically did the Adam and Eve mythos there, yeah. and sort of, <laughs> and sort of retold it. And like, I really put like the evolution of uh, humankind and and uh, you know women through times. You know, she she is she's at first hunted, and then uh, then she's a slave. She has a slave name, and then she's working in the home, and then she her ideas start coming out, and she gets gets her own name. So it's kind of like the evolution of society and women in general uh what those two in the adam and eve context and uh you know there's a point where he bruises his his ribs so that's taken Mm. from the adam and eve story and uh, i i had done some reading on the bible and uh it it said that you know know that apple that uh, eve eats that was actually uh a mistranslation from sumerian it was actually a fig so i concentrated on the figs and over here we have tons of figs growing everywhere they're called smokve uh, hmm. So I, I wanted to concentrate on the fig there, uh, but yeah, it's basically an Adam and Eve retelling in that context. It's the end of the world, and it's sort of starting again, and it's with these two two kids who have to rebuild. But they're just kids, so they don't un- understand really what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. No, I I really like that idea of you know the Adam and Eve at the beginning of the world, the Adam and Eve at the end of the world, and yeah, that kind of rebirth story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, 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 I think it's also uh, interesting how you say, you know, obviously they're kids and they're they're uh, going through this, you know, new rebirth. Um, it, I, I think it's interesting when they have the conversation around dinner. I, I love how it starts so just like just normal in a way, you know, like, now tell me about your day. What did you see in the sky? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> I think it's so it, like like their idea of what like a couple should be and what like this world should, should yeah. be, you know, I, I, I really like yeah. that touch there. 
Um, so uh, this is actually our last script question. Um, so this script begins, uh, you know, stuff sort of starts to go bad in 2022. Uh, that's when all the knowledge and power in the cosmos was transferred to uh, Lord Fauntleroy. Do you anticipate an apocalyptic event like this to happen in the next year? What do you know, Andre? <laughs> I think it already happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you yeah. know, that's a good point. You're actually a little late, a little, a little late on this one, Andre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> however, it, it seems like just about every other week we're experiencing a new apocalyptic event. So, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're, no, we're bound I, for I, another uh, one in 2022. No, I, I respect the power of nature, and I don't think that we're actually going to destroy the planet. We're, I think we're all going to be okay, and the, nature will reclaim its place as long as we respect nature and are good to it. We're going to be okay. <laughs> and we should try to be yeah. good to each other. Yeah, be good to each other, be good to nature. True rules yeah. we could all follow. Definitely. Um. Now, before we get into our personal questions, um, uh, do you have anything else about the script that we didn't ask you about that you would like to touch on before we before we start asking about you? Uh, no, no. I just hope when people read it, it's uh, uh, enlightening to them and, and ambiguous in a way that, that they can come back to it and see something new. Uh, maybe even when they get older, a different time in their life, uh, they can pull something new from it because not even I know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I have theories. <laughs> I have theories about what it's about, but, but every time I look at it, I see something a little different. Hmm. So I hope others see that too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, diving into some questions about you. Um, so when you emailed us and you've mentioned this uh, on the show already, you said that you were a twice produced feature length screenwriter. So talk about those projects a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I moved to Croatia. I lived in the city of Pula for a year, just grinding away at screenwriting, writing movie after movie, uh, posting stuff wherever I can, trying to find contacts. Reddit was my godsend. I, mm. <laughs> that's my alma mater. Uh, I was on there all the time. <laughs> Reddit University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on there all the time. And one day someone on the produced my script forum, a producer from Miami, uh, said, I am looking for writers for this feature-length action movie. And I had just written one that I put on the blacklist, so I sent it over. He said, oh, great, you know, can you write me a treatment, you know, in two hours? And I went, what? And I've never written a treatment up until then. I went, okay, I tried my best. I sent it over. I didn't think I would get a call back. And, like, out of 70, 80 people that applied, there went, you're the guy. <laughs> and nice. But, there, of course, there, there was... There was another writer on the on the thing too, but uh, you know it got made. Uh, I know it's sold to a distributor. I don't know when it's getting released somewhere, but uh, it's out there. It was at, I was told it was at the Berlin Film Festival at some point. Wow! Uh, but yeah, and uh, and then the next movie, uh, I contacted someone from IMDb Pro. You know, it's, once I had one credit. I could get an IMDb account, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I got the, <laughs> I got the pro, and then they also, they have jobs there listings. Uh, most of them not good, but uh, one really <laughs> like, <laughs> one of them really like ringed with me. So uh, I messaged, and you know we spoke, and I wrote this script. It's uh, like a psychological thriller uh, inside an interrogation room. It's it's basically a one act play in real time, uh, a Ooh. real stage play of a movie 
Yeah, and that's that's filmed and in the can, and it should be releasing uh, in December or January. Wow. Okay, both of those projects sound incredible. Uh, Please make sure to keep us updated with those, because, you know, if they're streaming anywhere or anything, we'd love to post about it and and, and see if, uh, have people watch them. Uh, And that that sounds, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah. I I do love, it seems like every, and obviously we get a lot of our writers on this show from Reddit, so we might have a little bit of bias here, but (laughs) it seems like everyone who we have on is like, Reddit is such a great source for writers. So if you're a writer out there and uh, you're looking for a good source for writers, Reddit University, enroll today. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what genre do you feel like you gravitate towards mostly in your writing? Uh, obviously, this script has elements of a lot of different genres, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, comedy. But is there a specific genre you're most comfortable with or you like writing in the most? Yes, it's definitely dark comedy. That's mm. my jam. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the two movies that I did write that were produced uh, are not dark comedy. <laughs> but but that's what i write all the time my own spec scripts are all some form of dark comedy they're all over the place right now my my next feature will finally be like a pure dark comedy so that's the least good i'm going in that direction that's awesome that's awesome yeah i gotta go where the work is i guess you know yeah (laughs) yeah if you get an opportunity as long as you are capable of the story like you can write in that uh, genre uh, like I'm, I'm actually like I'm not so good at sci-fi or fantasy, uh, mm. but th- if there's something that I feel comfortable with, then uh, and I want to do, uh, I'll do it. Yeah, but uh, but dark comedy is my my favorite, it's, or at least if I write in any genre, it has to have like this element of dark comedy. In it. Yeah, as you can absolutely. see from from this script, this script has dark comedy in it. Yeah, definitely. No, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you have any writers or directors that you admire that uh, you feel like uh, stick to black or dark comedy a lot? Uh, so many to count. Lately, I've been watching like the old Yugoslav cinema uh, from mm. the eighties. It was extremely like dark comedy, but also extremely funny. Um, you know, you guys can look up Vulcan uh, Spy and Black Cat, White Cats, and uh, who is over there singing? Those are there's some three classic uh, Yugoslavian films that that really capture uh, the sense of despair of the situation, with also the whimsicalness of how ridiculous everything is around us, in, in a sort of musical way. Uh, uh, I love that stuff. But uh, that's incredible. For sure. How do you? Uh, this is actually an off-script question, but going off. Um, how do you think? comedy has changed in the past, you know, year and a half with everything going on. Obviously, I'm not quite sure um, how bad the situation is in Croatia. I know here it's still pretty bad. But yeah. Um, but yeah, how do you think that people are consuming comedy differently? Are people still more leaning into dark comedy or more they are they more leaning into like wholesome, lighthearted comedy? Oh, one of the reasons I moved over here because it's still the Wild West over here. And you can mm. say anything, and people people take it as a joke, you know. So <laughs> you can yeah. get away with everything that you used to be able to get away with in the early 2000s back in the West. Uh, so yeah, people still love dark comedy here. Uh, there's no like watching your 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 words and and being politically correct. Uh, I do think like comedy really took a hit. Uh, 
uh, I think when Trump became president, he literally became the best comedian in the world, and everyone was looking up to him. He was he was the star of the show, and then now once he's gone, uh, there seems to be like this. I don't know. Like comedy seems to be a little like on the dying side in the West. There's mm, a little yeah. tiptoeing tip and walking on eggshells all the time. Uh, everything is getting canceled, and and you can't say this, can't say that. And that's not what comedy is about. You should be able to say the truth uh, in a funny way. You should be able to talk about anything, anything. Nothing is off the table when it comes to comedy. That's what, and that's what I like. I, I like the mixture of comedy and fiction, like anything that your mind can think of and any truth that you can find in a fictitious situation to create a sort of even greater universal truth uh, is what I aspire to do. So I don't like when rules are placed on this. Hmm. Yeah, I I, think I definitely it... do feel like uh, well, I think that you know, I think that uh, Trump has such an outrageous personality that yeah. it was tough for comedians making fun of him because they couldn't really say anything more ridiculous than sort of like what he actually said. That's right. That's right. He was actually funnier than them. Like he, <laughs> he was the king of comedy when he was <laughs> running the show. So it yeah. was such a strange thing that their jokes weren't good enough to, to match what he was just being. He was just being himself. Yeah, he. Um, it, it is interesting how so much of the comedy in in those four years were focused, you know, especially on late night shows, SNL stuff. Uh, focused on uh, obviously the <laughs> he he did a lot over here. Um, uh, most if not all bad, but you know, it, it, the the comedy world did sort of focus on him for those four years, and it is interesting to sort of see uh the repercussions of that, the repercussions of COVID now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of things have happens so uh I, I i do think it's interesting um and I, I i do find that you know i feel like some people are like you know i i, I do think there's always going to be a place for stuff like dark comedy um and i i do think that sometimes you know especially now a little bit of wholesome comedy does come through a little more um because uh, i don't know if you've seen the show ted lasso um but i feel like that's a perfect example of like a wholesome comedy uh, no, I haven't seen it. I heard about it. Uh, yeah, I, I have to check it out. And I do agree with you with the, the wholesome comedy, comedy thing after a tragic event. Like, you know, after yeah. World War II, uh, <laughs> Leave it to Beaver was like uh, out. You know, everyone wanted the wholesome comedy. They went through so much horror. They didn't want it anymore. But yeah. the, you know, I'm still like a Eastern European at heart. So our mentality is death and destruction all the time like and we find yeah. humor in that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well and i think definitely even now there's a place for like you know a, i think a lot of the like hopelessness that people are feeling sometimes it does help to sort of lean into that a little bit and yeah. have something that makes fun of it so you can laugh at it yeah yeah but yeah. All right. All right. Well, one we just question. have one more question for you. This so. is probably the most important question of the interview. Probably. So, <laughs> so okay. when, not if, the psychic duck apocalypse inevitably comes to our world, what will be your strategy to survive? Will you try to appease our overlord, fight back, give up entirely? What is your strategy? Uh, sorry, can you read those questions again? Did, uh, appease the overlord, fight back? Oh, sure. Yeah, those are just examples of possible oh, oh. strategies. So, yeah. you know, do you want to, yeah, appease Lord Fauntleroy, fight back, give up? 
I would be doing literally exactly what I'm doing right now. Uh, I have a little patch of farmland that I'm building a house on and I have uh, olive trees and a vegetable garden and a goat and a dog. I would just be living on my farm and building my house and working on my garden. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I'm going to leave him alone. Yeah. Lord, Lord Fauntleroy, I just want this little patch of land. You can have everything else, literally all of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. I I think I might. I think I might uh, be part. I like to think I'd be part of the resistance, Lord Fauntleroy resistance, yeah. and and eventually be taken in under his proverbial wing, as 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 uh. You, you as forget a part. he's all powerful, and his hatred for mankind is insatiable. Yeah, oh, that's right. No way. Yeah, when when I realize the the stakes are too high for me, I'll be like, okay, fine, <laughs> give in. Um, but yeah, that was our last question for us. Uh, thanks for coming on so much, Andre. We really had a great time interviewing you. Yeah, no worries. Me too. Uh, it's an honor to be on the show. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks so much for coming. So, uh, if you would like to uh, produce Scout Veteran of the Psychic War, or even just read it, or talk to Andre, his email will be in the description below. Yeah, and before we let you go, is there anything that you, any projects you have coming up, or anything that you would like to plug for us? Uh, y- yeah. So I I worked on a video game here in Croatia. It's actually the first big video game coming out of Pula. Uh, it comes out October 28th on Steam and PC. It's called Saint Kotar. Uh, it's a psychological horror uh, point-and-click detective story. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, made by a great company called Red Martyr Entertainment. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah, one, my cousin is making a movie, uh, so I just want to shout out to Philip Herakovich. He is uh, working on his first feature film as director. He's been working 10 years to get to this point. So I just want to say good luck to him. And and, uh, God bless. That's awesome. Good for him. And congrats to your cousin. And congrats to you. Yeah. Uh, So we'll include uh, information about all of that uh, in our description, some links. Uh, Yeah. So uh, thanks so much again, Andre. We really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. No worries. Thank you, too. All right. Have a good one. All right. Ciao.